Hey guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to my weekly podcast, This Is Life Unfiltered. So before I get into this podcast, make sure you're following me on social media at, at Alexa underscore Curtis, as well as the podcast, which is at T-I-L-U podcast. And also you can watch every episode or listen to it directly on the website, which is at lifeunfilteredwithalexa.com. And the last thing, if you guys want to know what's happening with the summit, we have an awesome social team that's taking care of that. So you can follow the Be Fearless Summit at at Be Fearless Summit, as well as go on the website, which is BeFearlessSummit.org, and check out all of the speakers and everything we have coming up, which is April 1st at Berkeley. So a long time ago, I was going to coffee shops, as most entrepreneurs do, like every single day, and I got so sick of buying coffee as well as sitting in coffee shops. So I decided to get this WeWork office, which is in West Hollywood. And it's like not even an office, but more so just like a desk where you pay, seems like an over excessive amount every month to sit and have free coffee. And along the way, I've met some really cool people, none of them that I've had on the podcast, but one really cool person I met is now one of my really good friends. And he started a super cool candle brand. If you guys actually saw the segment that I did on Cheddar a few weeks ago, I focused on this candle called Peroni. And usually I will only talk about products that I really like, even if it's a friend of mine and I think they have like a product and even if it sucks, I won't talk about it. So Dimitar is here today to talk and bring us through his entire journey. Take us back to the beginning. But first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Alexa. So I was born in Bulgaria, lived there until I was seven years old. Um, for many of you people who have no idea where Bulgaria is, that's in Eastern Europe. Myself included. Right next to Greece and Turkey. Um, so I was born there, lived there until I was seven, and then, like a good immigrant, made my way over to Canada. Um, lived there in Toronto for five years, and then finally moved to Los Angeles. 14 years ago when I was in sixth grade. Some would say that if anyone's listening that went to uh, high school with me, some would say I was popular. I don't think I was popular. I like to think that I was a people's person and um, it was never my goal to be anything popular. I just like being nice and just like having a lot of friends. And um, I mean, that was in America. That was after um, I got experience to to what people like were here. I mean, growing up in Bulgaria, especially at a at a communist time or post communist time, um, it's much different. You know, you're you're very limited to what you have to to play with, to what your family has as resources to to give you. So, you kind of are more just going out, being crazy on the streets, mm-hmm. playing soccer, and. Um, the kids all around you don't have much either so you kind of make the best of things so um, taking that moving to Canada um, and after I first learned English that you know you got to step by step you got yeah. you got to first learn English um, I just wanted to, to talk to everybody to, to be friends with everyone and to just play with everyone um, I was always really social, really more outdoorsy, never was big on video games and staying inside. I just wanted to um, run around and break things and, and <laughs> put things together. Did you ever feel like growing up you had that kind of entrepreneur trait in you? I don't even know if it's like hard to answer that, but also were there times where you were like, I don't want to work for anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I think I was always very... Um, opinionated but not stubborn maybe stubborn also but not you know both together I always just wanted to um, 
do what I wanted to do. And if it fits with everyone else's kind of agenda, then it's a good thing. If not, a lot of people would kind of see it as me not listening to them or me wanting to um, kind of follow the rules, which, you know, one, you have to be a little bit of a rule bender for sure. Not so much a, a breaker on many things because um, that has its own problems. But um, for the most part, I was always just very passionate about some some things and would just focus on those and not really focus on what other people had to tell me or um, my parents were actually really supportive always have always been and I'm so thankful for that they never pushed me to they're all architects and engineers so um, farthest thing away from from what I could have been and uh, and wanted to be and never had any kind of hesitation from them to do um, anything other than, than what I wanted. How many years until then you, you, you guys moved to the U.S.? Um, so we're in Canada for five. Um, you know, we uh, in Canada you need five years. I don't know if they changed it now, but you need five years to gain citizenship and, and, uh, and become a citizen and get a passport. We had visas there. My dad was a really smart, is a really smart engineer. Um, so we went out there with work visas for that. We stayed. We got... Um, visas to come into the U.S. once we got citizenship from Canada um, and my mom's brother, my uncle, has been here for almost 30 years I think now. Um, so we wanted to kind of bring a family together and move down once we got a chance to, uh, to L.A. I feel like you and I really bond over we hate all of the L.A. like shit and the people and I know you always said you would eventually move back to Europe. Yeah. Or you wanted to. I still want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, L.A., I think, was the reason, mostly because of my uncle, uh, my mom's brother. You obviously want to be where family's at. We moved to Toronto with no family there because that was kind of the, the only place that was willing to um, take people in. I mean, we could have moved anywhere in Canada, but people move either to Toronto on the east side or to Vancouver in the west, um, and we, we figured Toronto was better. Um, so we moved from Toronto here just because of my uncle and and bring the family together he's been out in in Glendale and we moved to Burbank and have been in Burbank ever since um, but yeah I mean 15 years in in LA will definitely get a lot out of you yeah and uh, especially growing up here I mean I pretty much I moved here in sixth grade so I've done middle school high school college here which has pretty much been all of my fundamental ages of uh, of growth so I can say that I've uh, been pretty much a, a Cali boy for for the most of my time and so when do you feel like your actual I guess entrepreneur journey started so at what point you went you um, applied to college and you yeah. knew you wanted to go because a lot of entrepreneurs don't end up wanting to go to college yeah I would say um, it's a tough question to pinpoint specifically but um, so I, I had a lot of, um, well, I would like to think I had a lot of options going into to college. I got accepted to a couple places, um, some pretty local, some pretty distant, um, some private, some public, and obviously um, didn't get too much scholarships. Even though I was a good kid, um, smart kid, I didn't have too much scholarship money. Um, so I got accepted to, for example, Menlo College up in NorCal, which is a great business school. And um, at this time, I never knew I wanted to, to be an entrepreneur, to be specifically like a business person. Um, at that time of my life, I wanted to work in 
um, creative marketing. So I've always been a very creative person and I wanted to create like campaigns um, that interact with people, fusing kind of my people skills with somewhat of an internal knack for business um, to create like direct to consumer campaigns for big companies, you know, pop up events, um, do cool fun events at, at trade shows, for example, um, for big companies. So I wanted to go in as marketing um, and Menlo was a really good business school, but they're ridiculously expensive. It's private college. So we gave that option up, even though I got accepted. And um, my goal was to go into uh, SDSU, one, because it was a fun, crazy party school, and two, because it's San Diego. I love San Diego, and it's not too far away from, from home. Um, that didn't happen. I got waitlisted, didn't get accepted overall. A lot of people applied that year. So I ended up going to um, good old Cal State Northridge in the Valley, which uh, actually turned out to be probably the best decision of my life. You could have also taken out loans, though, to go to Menlo. So what made you want to not do that? I'm a big proponent against that up until that's your only really option. Um, one, I don't want to put my parents in debt for, for my um, education more than, than I would need. Um, they were kind enough to help out with tuition and, and kind of cover payments already. So I don't want to put excess stress on them. At that point, we're still, um, you know, they got to take care of me. They had my brother at the time who was much younger. Um, they had good jobs, but at the end of the day, expenses are expenses. The more you have, the funner it's yeah. not. <laughs> but I, they never told you, like, we want you to be an architect or we want you to be an engineer or whatever. No, no, never, never pushed me in any direction. Um, and uh, I, again, I wanted to, to go somewhere that, you know, is affordable, but that you don't have to um, go into, you know, this large debt that then you have to kind of have looming over your head and, and have to pay. Um, I, you know, even now for, for some of the businesses that I'm invested in now, a very easy option for me is to look for investors or to look for a loan from a bank, but I'm um, still that option to me pretty much is, is non-existent in my head. I like to try to do things myself. Um, to be honest, I don't even have a credit card even. So really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Which is probably not a good idea. By now. It's, it's impressive in one way, but dumb in another, you definitely need good credit and yeah. you know, you should have a credit card. I just, again, never got one at, at a younger age. So I'm a proponent of spend what you got. Don't, you know, put yourself at this lifestyle that, that you, you can't fulfill sure. or you can't, you know, um, pay for it's it's just a dumb plan so had your parents been more strict on you what would you have done would you follow their lead or would you have been like no I still know what I want to do and it's not what you guys want me to do that's a tough question um, I can't see my parents really pushing me too much they're they're honestly the best um, but I would definitely I mean again I'm, I, I never was really too much of a, of a push around and I always kind of push things around <laughs> so I, I don't see myself doing what they would have wanted um, definitely not easily and I think I would have still um, just kept doing what I wanted to do and, and I think that um, they're the type that if they really see me passionate about something yeah. and they see that you know this this is what I'm telling them and this is how I'm feeling they would very easily and very quickly change their minds about it and, and not be um, not be the way they would. Got it. Okay, so you go to this four-year college. 
Mm-hmm. Not two years, four years. Four years. And then you leave. And at what point did you decide? Because you have like dipped your toes in a few different companies and ideas and stuff. And what was the first one that kind of came to fruition? Yeah, I've pretty much dipped all of my toes into everything dippable possible. <laughs> um, but uh, at the start, I was still actually in college. I hadn't graduated yet. And so, like I had said, initially I went in even to CSUN, I went into um, marketing. And because I wanted to do the creative side of things, very quickly found out that it wasn't so creative at all. And it was very just kind of business and boring and math classes, things that I wasn't really into at the time. Um, so I switched it to a more creative side and I went to and I switched my major to photography and art. Um, photography's always been a hobby of mine. I think going back to, to my um, my grandpa, he'd always traveled a lot and um and would bring back, he had the cameras all over his, uh, our, our home back in Bulgaria. And I'd always had a hobby. My parents always took really cool photos of me growing up. So I think photography is just amazing. So my first venture was actually with um, just freelance photography. I got, um, got into school, obviously, with, with that. Um, and then really quickly, I kind of exceeded um, expectations in school. I, I made... Um, I was in a in a um, exhibition at school. Like uh, I had, um, it wasn't a solo exhibition. It was a, a group exhibition. Um, I had gotten published in a couple magazines for for sort of my own work. I ventured into working with um, streetwear brands, which at the time was still very much a non-mainstream kind of subculture. Um, working with uh, streetwear and skateboard brands that were kind of out here on Fairfax. And um, and kind of doing their lookbooks, their catalog shoots. This is before Instagram even was was a thing. So it was a great time, great time before Instagram. I know, right? Man, some <laughs> of you maybe don't even know that time, but believe me, great time oh before Instagram. And uh, and so my first venture was with photography. I had a couple clients. Um, was, was it mostly like word of mouth or people you knew? How did you even grow that business? At that time, I was a straight hustler and I wanted to be as much as I can outside and just talking to people. And at the time, I, I had just gotten my car and my license. Um, I got my license kind of late, um, not right when I was 16. So I had my car, I had my license, I had like literally every reason to not be in Burbank, which whoever knows where Burbank is, you understand why you don't want to spend time there. Um, and so I wanted to just explore the city and just meet people and network and connections and um, just tell people what's up and, and just, yeah, I mean, I think mostly it was word of mouth. I had no idea how to market properly, even though I wanted to do marketing. Um, again, Instagram wasn't a thing, and Instagram actually killed that business for Why? me. Why? Um, because uh, everyone just really quickly, I think, understood. Like, I really quickly saw that at the time, you know, you had everyone posting pictures of their lunch with terrible, shitty filters um, and kind of seeing, like, this as a fun sort of game. And I really quickly found out that, hey, I'm a photographer. This is a platform for pictures. Why am I not posting my portfolio and my images on here, which I started doing, which at the beginning actually kind of shot my um, career forward. Uh, That's how definitely I was getting a lot of models to work with me to do kind of just um, 
freelance work and build out my portfolio as well as build theirs out. I was getting in touch with brands um, pretty quickly because, again, brands pretty quickly found out that it's a good place for them to be on. Um, so at the beginning, I found it really good tool to network, but then very quickly it turned into what it is now is everybody's a somebody, although they're a nobody. Mm-hmm. And this guy's a photographer, that guy's a photographer. And you would go and pitch a a client with, hey, this is how much it would cost. This is what I would do for you. This is how much things are going to work out. And they would come back to you with, okay, but this guy on Instagram can do it for this much less. Terrible. So do you think that as a business owner then that Instagram helps or no? Like, would you, looking back, if you had started you kind of your entire journey with Instagram around, like, would you have been able to utilize it more or less? I think looking back, I would have utilized it a little bit more and I would have just been, um, I mean, maybe not more. I would have utilized it just the way I was utilizing it because I think I had a pretty good grasp on its functionality at the time. I think I would have held a little bit more true to my my work and and kind of not taking people's shit so much about all of those um, clients and really just kind of push forward to it. Um, but at the same time, I had, you know, kind of, I tend to not stay in one place too much and be involved with one thing too much, which is either a good or bad thing. So I had other things going on and I had my, my mind kind of set on other things at the time. So that's why I didn't push through it more than I could have and kind of said, okay, screw it. Let's go do something else. Um, but obviously now you, you should definitely be on it. Um, I'm still not the biggest proponent of it in terms of you. it's your main focus, it's your main place for growth and connecti- connectivity and whatever you, you may think behind it. I think there's millions of other way more beneficial channels for you to grow on. But I think, you know, any reputable brand, entity, company, person should have some kind of exposure on there and um, should be doing some sort yeah. of networking on there. But that's with a strong limitation. I mean, people spend their days and lives and years on it. And I think that's just terrible. When I met you, I think you really kind of encompassed the drive that an entrepreneur has. And it just always seemed like you were so passionate, even if you weren't sure if something was going to be successful. So if, if you're like, if there's an entrepreneur or aspiring one right now who is listening, what do you think is one trait that all entrepreneurs have to have to be successful? Yeah, definitely drive. I mean, you can you can know or that you're going to be the most successful or you can know that this is, you know, just the true passion project for you and that you're not expecting to make money out of this. But if you don't have the drive and, and kind of the um, hus, as I like to call it, out of the hustle, you know, like um, you, you got to you're not going to go many places. You know, you're going to be into something and then, you know, a week, a month, a year, a 10 years after you're going to give up on it um, because, again, you're you're not so passionate. And I feel like that's very cliche in a way now hearing myself kind of say that of people saying, you know, oh, you have to be so passionate. You have to be, um, you know, this has to be your thing. I don't think that you have to live your life based on this only feature. But I think that whether it's the product, the industry, the um the person that's pushing you, you have to have a passion to just care to go forward and and not look at 
all of the millions of other things that are going to be stressing you out while you're doing it and just know that at the end of the day your focus is this is going to grow and this is going to go forward and tomorrow is going to have a lot of shit that I need to do but I'm going to take it and I'm going to do it because doing it all is going to help it grow that much more with that much more success than it was yesterday than it was a week ago than it was a month ago when i first started i was doing like i did the whole side hustle like a million things for like years at a time um and i feel like that really helped me figure out what to actually do because i had dipped my toes in so many different areas and i feel like you also had really started out by doing so many different things too that's a must. I mean, I still think that I generally don't know what I want to do. You know, like um, I know I want to be a business owner. I know I want to be very entrepreneurial and I know I want to make a good amount of money um, doing these things. But if someone was to ask me like where and how and when what industry I'm going to make that, I don't know. I, uh, I got skill sets and I got interests and I take those interests and skill sets and I apply it to wherever it kind of fits. Um, you know, sometimes it's home decor stuff, sometimes it's um, photography, sometimes it's uh, distribution, you know, sometimes it's a medical field, you know, like I, I really don't know. You just, um, you, you keep doing and, and as you grow, other interests grow inside of you, you know, I mean, I don't think I was uh, as passionate as I am about things that I'm passionate about now as I was five years ago, you know, or even two months ago on some things, you know, so you just grow with things and things grow on you and, and um, you should just focus on building out a skill set that is transferable to all applications in all um, fields, which it can be one or two things or it can be, you know, mastering just business admin, you know, and, and, and taking, you know, business administration skills like, you know, marketing and, and um, advertising and sales and, and different sort of fields within that and knowing how to apply those in anything, you know, and, and just finding a product. That's really what entrepreneurial um, business is, is, you know, you're solving a problem with a skill set that you possess yeah. that more people don't possess. You know, yeah. so there's no set field that you have to do that in. You just have to know how to solve the problem effectively. I love that. So going back to you're doing the photography and then at what point did you decide to because I want to know, like I want everyone to know about the candles. Um, yeah. But there was was that the first like little not even little, but like the first idea that you had after the photography or was there something in between? So kind of. Yeah. Um, the photography was, I think, my just creative expression that I've always been involved in. And uh, my family is very creative. I mean, again, as, as um, I mentioned, they're, they're architects, they're engineers, which is um, both kind of uh, a creative field and um, one that's not so much. But uh, my mom's an artist. Um, she knows how to draw and she, she's, you know, very um, talented. Other people in my family are all artists. So I've had this creative drive around me. For quite some time, and um, after um, after photography, I wanted to to apply that somehow, but I I was never sure how. But for some reason, growing up as a kid, I was always sure that I wanted to either own a store or own a brand, which is um, I guess some kind of you know intuitive um, sort of passion that I had for for where I'm at now. 
um, that I just didn't know what to do with at the time. So when I was thinking, okay, you know, photography is, is now kind of sort of growing into a side hobby and a side hustle. Um, what can I do? And I think at the time I was working as like a server um, at this uh, at this ramen place in, in Westside. And um, obviously didn't want to do that for far too long. So I said, okay, what, what can I do? And I kind of had the idea for, um, actually, I wasn't working as a server. I was working as um, sales. Um, that was my previous job leading into the um, sales job. So um, I got lucky enough to, a friend put me in touch with another friend and um, was, uh, was pretty much um, doing sales for a uh, rolling paper company um, that I got to travel pretty much a lot of the U.S. for. And I think that was one of the main sparks of, of really entrepreneurship that, that um, I had a really good boss, um, consider him a, a mentor now, that was really, really um, focused, really driven, really entrepreneurially set. And I think he kind of sparked um, all the missing factors in me. And at that point, I realized that I can take my creative, I want to start my business, a business, and that business can involve the creativity of, of art and photography um, with a product, as I had mentioned, that I wanted um, some kind of some kind of brand. So I decided to brand um, creativity, essentially. So um, that's the the idea behind Peroni, which is um, now a home decor accessory brand that works with artists and designers to create fun, playful, modern. Um, and contemporary home decor products as well as lifestyle products all very driven on product design aesthetically pleasing you know um, product and very functional and sustainable um, products that are kind of just better for the earth and make your home a better place so that's where I mixed it in I think I found you know let me I can't be as good of an artist as I want to be so let me somehow um, work with artists that are very talented and up and coming to create these very cool um, products which then I can you know have a, a brand build around it and I think I can take that somewhere I had a lot of sales experience at that time so I wanted to you know just grow um, the business that way so it was a really kind of not linear um, Path to say, you know, I was doing home decor. I was working for a home decor company. It was kind of a out of the blue shot, but I think you know the, the everything fit together um, really nicely, and it's it's still just a nice growing passion project that I have. A few minutes ago, you said that the place you were working, or something about like there were at, like kind of creative assets or whatever that you felt like you didn't have. What did you mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, again, I, I'm creative in a way that I, I went to school for photography. And when you go to school for photography, you're not only learning, obviously, how to take pictures. You're, you're in the arts program. So I was taking graphic design courses, visual communication courses, um, Illustrator, you know, kind of um, Photoshop, all of the Adobe programs. So I can't draw. That's my fallback. Like, I can't sketch you here and you know make you look beautiful I can um, look and say okay this room has good design right this painting is well designed because of the design principles that you learn um, in design and art school so I knew the principles and I knew the applications and I knew how to kind of bend the rules but I didn't know how to design things with those principles so 
artists, obviously, that are trained and know all of these things, but then know how to apply them to their perspective fields are obviously going to be much better at me um, than me attempting to do anything like that. So essentially, I'm in a way, you know, owner, but essentially a creative director or like almost a project manager based on specific products that I'm developing to say, okay, um, I want to develop, you know, a candle line, which is kind of how the, the candles started out. Um, let's let's put you know Alexa's great artwork on wrapped around the candle, <laughs> and um, and let's make that happen. And then you would send me the designs, and I would say, yeah, this looks great. You know, it, I love it, and and let's do it. So it. pretty much working with artists that have the skill sets that I kind of lack to create the things that I want to create. So candles are really specific and you really kind of emerged in a market that is filled with like very, I know you guys call Peroni bougie candles, but there are like a lot of bougie candle brands. So when you were deciding to make candles and what year did you actually launch the product? Yeah, so uh, Peroni was founded in 2018. So it's not even been two years yet. Um, it's gonna be, it was launched on my birthday, which is March 10th. So actually in about a month and a little bit, month and a couple of weeks um, we got a second birthday to celebrate and um, yeah I mean it, it's funny I think I always like to go in for the hardest um, <laughs> the hardest sort of field because I think in a way if you do the hardest things the rest is pretty easy you know so you kind of learn how to tackle hard things and learn how to um, get your, your biggest obstacle out of the way first, you're in for a kind of smoother ride, let's say. Um, definitely not easy, but a little bit, you know, less challenging down the road. So um, I got into the candles because a buddy of mine in high school, they own one of the largest manufacturing for candles here in Los Angeles, which makes pretty much all, if not majority of my competitors as well. Um, and, uh, you know, he was great and kind enough to work with me and, and to um, help me out when I was starting out, which is, again, a big facet to entrepreneurship. You got to use a lot of your resources. And, um, you know, I didn't know that I wanted to make candles. I knew that I wanted to make home decor. But then I had, you know, remembered that I had this buddy who has a lot of assets and a lot of resources to, to help me out at the starting phase. Um, I'm very big on doing as much of a lean startup as you can. So I wanted to invest as least amount of money as possible to get the most amount of um, return and products. So I knew that, you know, instead of me going to a random manufacturer and them charging me a lot more, that no matter what, he was going to look to give me some kind of better deal in pricing. Um, and that's just, again, the, the benefits of friends and networking and, and having resources on your end. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got into the candles mostly because of, of that reason and very quickly found out how competitive, how insane of a market. I mean, I obviously did my market research and knew that it was it was going to be tough, um, but it's tough. And, and at the time, uh, were you working at a were you working at like, you know, regular job? Yeah, I was still doing the sales. So I was I was at that sales company, um, the rolling paper company for about seven and a half years. And I actually just left with them in the last six, seven months. Um, so I was with them from pretty much my sophomore year in college up until um, the end of 2019. And uh, again, have a lot to thank for, for everything that um, that company helped me out with in terms of building out all my abilities and skills and, and kind of getting me to the person and, and having the mentality that I have today. So everything is, is a part of um, 
your growth and and you know you might think like what the hell am i doing in this shitty office job you know and and you know this weird place but um it's definitely teaching you something whether you're going to realize it today tomorrow or in 20 years you're gonna know you know at least the least thing you'll have is you'll have a perspective when you grow out of that position you're gonna have a perspective of what the person that you might be dealing with who's in that position is now you're gonna understand how they're feeling or you're gonna understand what what their point of view is on things and um, if you can put yourself in other people's places and, and perspectives that's a big big win um, so you're you know to say that you're doing a job that's never gonna benefit you it's always gonna benefit you in some way I think one of the biggest fears that entrepreneurs have is like that actually just starting. So when you had this idea to start a candle company and you had never started, like you'd never made candles before, what was the first thing you did? Was it that market research? Was it like, how do I even make, a, like manufacture a candle? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, that's a big thing. And I think um, just being sort of um, naive and, and fearless and uh, the right amount of dumb is uh yeah. is your answer to that you know like uh you definitely have to do i mean i spent probably seven to ten months um doing like research and building out a brand you know like and um i was living in west hollywood in a one bedroom apartment working from around eight or nine to about six and then from seven to one o'clock i was doing market research building out you know branding putting my products together finding um vendors finding manufacturers it's so many things you know like that you just at the start you're like okay i'm gonna do this and yay and you and, completely self-funded initially yeah i mean still i uh i am a again big proponent of of do as much as you can yourself and the last option should be, um, you know, uh, loan or investors or, or however you go about it. You, I've had obviously a little bit of help from my family um, to get really my just a, a little bit of the foot in the door, so to speak. Um, and that's who you should be going out to first and, and foremost. Um, you know, do do a crowdfunding between your family, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and get their support behind things to kind of kick you off. But yeah, to this day, it's still, um, I take no income. I, I don't pay myself anything. I reinvest everything into the company. I have no investors. I have no loans. I have no debt. I have pretty much a good That's sort amazing. of rounded out um, perspective on that end. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of work at the start, you know, and I think a lot of people are listening to these kind of um podcasts and listening to youtube from you know big people that talk about this sort of things and everyone kind of tells you the same thing like shit is tough and you got to put in work and uh you know whether it's making candles or developing you know the most insane tech platform of the world like it's not easy and uh and you need to put in work and you need to be ready to put in work and you need to know that work is to be had and to be done and if um if you don't really get a solid grasp of that you're not gonna make it far or people are gonna see right through you and not really take you as serious um 
yeah, I mean, just work tough and and work a lot and it's going to pay off. Do you think the reason that people don't want to put as much effort in nowadays is because of social media? Like social media has made everything look so easy to be an influencer or blogger or YouTuber instead of actually, you know, make a company. It's a large part of it. I mean, I think it definitely is definitely is doing that and and definitely doing a, a lot of it. But I don't think that's it. I think, you know, um I mean, even when you look at it a little bit of, a, you know, 10 years ago or whenever there was an Instagram when people, um, forever when there was an Instagram, you know, you had people that just understand the value of hard work and you have people that don't, you know, and, and maybe it sounds harsh and maybe it sounds rude, but there's the, you know, those are the, the people that generally are going to just work for people and be completely okay with it, which is not a bad thing at all. You know, some people are, are, um, I'm forgetting the word for it, you know, but they're workers, you know, and, and they do a much better job just following instruction and getting, you know, kind of tasks delegated than it is for them to, you know, delegate tasks and, and make the tasks and understand what needs to happen to get a, a, a problem or a project or something complete and done. And then there's other people that, you know, again, understand that no one's going to tell me these things if, if the idea that I want to do or the business that I want to do is not done or is, you know, not done the right way or the way that I want it. Nobody's going to guide you to it. There's no guide, you know, to say like, this is how you develop an idea that doesn't exist. Um, and I think a lot of people look for that. It's inherent, right? Like you obviously want to work the least amount of possible that's built into us, but it just doesn't happen for many things, you know, so you have to make that guide. And, and some people, you know, will spend so much time searching and um, looking to understand that guide and then not even realize that it just doesn't exist and that you need to like pave the way, sort of speak, you know, and, and um, I mean, to, if you're looking for inspiration, you know, definitely keep looking and keep, uh, you know, paying attention to all these YouTube uh, influencers and, and Instagram influencers. Um, but even those people, uh, you know, didn't do things the right way or they, they, they did things their own way without anyone kind of telling them. Like just the fact that influencer is now a profession. That's a whole other conversation. You know, I mean, I hate it, but I'm saying like yeah. they, they did something that hasn't been done, you yeah. know, and and that's kind of just the way that you need to, to be in that mentality is like no one's going to help you with this. No one's going to guide you. No one wants work to do, you know, like you need to to do it and i'm a big proponent of like working hard but also just working smart you know you don't need to work 20 hours a day um you just need to, to work smart to say like okay i need to do this can i streamline that somehow you know like it's just about being proactive and um and just being smart and aware of like what you're actually goal is and, and what's the best and simplest seeming way to get that result done. So you guys just got into Urban Outfitters, which was like the first subtle big brag, subtle brag. buy, which is so, I was so, so happy for you. But you also had gotten to like some small stores before, not even small, but more like boutique stores across the country. And were most of them, you were just like going in trying to sell the candle or how did you even get into some of the stores? Yeah. So definitely a little shameless plug. Um, 
and I just sent out the product actually so we I'm kind of I didn't want to talk about it until you know everything was kind of there and done and, and all the corners were uh, smooth and sanded so yeah we just got um, a nice purchase order for Urban Outfitters online which was actually one of my biggest goals starting the brand um, I wanted to uh, I knew that you know based on the branding and based on the product offering that I would have um, Urban would be um, definitely kind of a, a target market customer that I would like to have and um, and it happened and you know it, it's a great thing and I'm super excited about it and it's it's great to realize a goal um, and I actually set a goal that it would it should happen um, before I, we turn two years old and literally it happened almost a month before even though it's been in the works for a little bit so uh, it's that you know wins like that are, are kind of what keeps you driving and if you're low on energy from you know doing a lot of things it kind of re-energizes you to to keep going um, not to mention like you mentioned you know that's kind of just a, a big highlight and a big name but we have been lucky enough to I sell both direct to consumer on off of our website but also do um, wholesale to to um, the stores and we were lucky enough to have um, a lot of very good very kind people um, support us with uh, as you mentioned kind of uh, more boutique designer oriented stores that also carry a lot of these sort of products um, that are you know small batch artist made handmade you know sustainable ethically made sort of um, home and, and lifestyle products and um, you know we we have stores carrying us in Los Angeles and Toronto, Most of them also you Arizona. just walked into. Yeah, pretty much the way, um, yeah, I mean, so a lot of it, in my opinion, is is hard work. And no one, again, wants to do the hard work. But the best conversion is door-to-door -door sales. And I, I'm just a big proponent of that. I mean, that's what I was doing in my, in my previous job that I said that I learned pretty much everything about who and how I am now it's door-to-door -door sales and it's it's just relentless sales um, you know not obviously being that scummy sales guy that promises you everything and delivers nothing but it's about you know just calls and emails and getting in FaceTime and going to stores and going the distance you know so um, I would go in I would make like a list of stores and then say these are the people that I want to carry my stuff take my bag of samples take my brochures and my sales sheet and then just open the door and i mean that's kind of the exciting part is like you literally you're going in to something with absolutely zero expectations and like zero like the most that will happen is they'll tell you to get out of your store i'm gonna take that all day you know when the best thing that can happen is they hand you money you yeah. know like so um, you know, I see no risk or no, you know, negative side effects of just being kind of determined. And yeah, you go into stores, you present your case and you, you know, um, you get their information. If it's the buyer or the owner, then awesome. And usually it's not, you know, so you kind of try to pull some info and, um, and you get an email and then you do the same thing over emails and over phone calls and you just keep going until someone says, okay, yeah, we'll take it. I have one last question for you. Where and what would be the end goal for Peroni? Would it be, as well as actually it's two questions in one, the end goal for you just as a person, but also the end goal for the company? Because, you know, there's 
like so many amazing candle companies out there. I'm biased and I really think Peroni is like actually the best one and it lasts for so long in my kitchen, no joke. But would it be to be the next like diptyque or would it be to, you know, create like an entire home collection, like going into furniture? For sure. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and the goal is to release some new products um, within the next couple of months. Um, candles are just a start and I think they've been a great start for us, but I want to really start um, with the rebranding that I'm currently doing of the website and uh, a little bit of the brand. We want to really start kind of pulling away from not just being um, a candle brand, but again, more so specifically home decor. Um, we have some new products that are launching that are not candles. They're just um, decor accessories that are just really fun and cool. And the end result is, um, is yeah, I mean, just growing it to be, um, you know, if not a household name, just a, a really cool brand that, you know, puts kind of fun and personality into people's homes. Um, you know, I don't think the goal is to become a diptyque or, you know, an Ikea or a, a West Elm sort of type. The idea is just to become, you know, a good, solid business that makes really great products that make people really happy that would make me really happy and and more so the goal is to be just self-sustaining um you know from this business and uh and not have to rely on other income and not have to you know work a, a full-time job and have this as a part-time hobby you know or as a or the other way around i want this you know to be um unemployment for myself i want other people to be employed under this and i want to make um again just really cool quality products that just people enjoy and and like you said thankfully that you know you love the product you love how you know it, it makes your house smell good look good hopefully as well and um and these are just kind of uh feedback that we want to have on a you know, a much larger scale as we grow. I bet everyone listening would think you guys just got by bought by Urban Outfitters. Like, what do you mean that this is like a small side hustle? It's small. I mean, it's it seems like it's a it's a big and, and badass thing, but you know, it's it's a humble beginning, and uh, and we're gonna be you know honest about it. And it's you know we're not making impacts and dents on the candle industry. No, but, but it's a uh, start. It's a great start, you know, but I think at the same time, it's a, it's a great start and I'm, I'm taking it to many places that I want it to grow to, to become bigger and better. And um, we love all of our vendors and all of our supporters and all of our current um, uh, customers. And we just want to, again, continue to grow and make them happier. And that doesn't depend on, you know, our size or, or their size. It just depends on again, being, you know, a quality leader behind whoever is involved um, in making Peroni happen and being um, a quality product for, for people to enjoy. If that's the case, then we're doing the right thing on any size. Where can everyone find you and the company on social media and the website? Uh, the company is on Peroni, which is spelled P-I-R-O-N-I-I USA on Instagram. Um, you can find us also online, which is www.peroni.com. And uh, personally, myself, you can find me at film underscore Dimmy. That is my um, photography profile. And um, 
and kind of my new up and coming personal. Don't expect to see much content on there. <laughs> I am a big uh, 2020 no no on Instagram. So you'll see a post once every 12 years. 12 years. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can find us out there. We would uh, be much happy for your support and for your um, excitement about the brand. And um, hopefully you'll see us uh, in bigger and better places, just like uh, at Urban and soon to come, maybe many other stores. Well, thank you for finally doing this with me. I know we have been wanting to do this for like half of a century. It's been a bit. Um, so I hope you guys loved this episode. You can find out all about the candles in the bio below this episode, as well as on the website and if you have any feedback or who you want to see next on this is life unfiltered you can leave a review on the podcast app uh, which is on iphones and androids and also on social media which is at t-i-l-u podcast and i'll see you guys next week for episode 108 bye